but uh, what I thought was actually going on, like I thought there's some weird kind of time loop here going on. It's like Jack was that previous caretaker, and it's just he's like living this endless loop of being the caretaker at this hotel and going through this torment. That's that's what I was like thinking then at this stage. Hi everyone and welcome to the 15th episode of the Audiobook Club podcast. I'm host for today, Michael, and with me are my three co-hosts, if you want to introduce yourselves. I'm Stephen. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Jason. Here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> okay, and today we'll, we, we'll, we will be discussing The Shining by Stephen King, narrated by campbell scott um just before i give a a summary of what it was about uh i suppose we should talk about the game last time uh you all give your guesses i'll probably just keep this really simple and say that stephen once i listened to the last episode and enjoyed the edit michael (laughs) yeah yeah his his guess was so accurate that it could not be included in the episode (laughs) it was long as well literally gave the entire shot <laughs> if anybody's curious what Stephen said, just read The Shining. That's basically what he said. <laughs> what did I say? Basically, what Stephen said, but the hotel's haunted or something. I think yeah. <laughs> I think my guess was the best, and saying that the boy goes round. Technically, and introduced himself as Johnny. And... I I think I'm closest because Stephen didn't mention the hotel being haunted. I think you you slightly piggybacked off of Stephen's guess though. Oh, what else is supposed to say? So I summarized the bloody book before I got the answer. You let me, you, you <laughs> let me go first. Like you, uh, you said, yep. I could go. Yeah, you should always jump on if you know. Yep. Right, you should have interrupted him rudely. I will. <laughs> it's on. You should have said, "No, Stephen, there's a ghost, <laughs> or maybe there's not." Uh, so, just uh, a bit about why I chose this book. Um, I've talked about Stephen King endlessly. Uh, on this podcast, probably annoyingly so. So I thought it was about time that we should do yes. one of his books. <laughs> uh, I, I said to Stephen, I think I said during the podcast one time, we could do this entire podcast only doing Stephen King books. And then Stephen said, please no. Uh, I have no intentions of ever doing that, but I would like to do probably one Stephen King book a year. So I, I might pick one a year, but I'll see what you guys think of this book first because I have no idea what you think of it. Can we can we do those ones that are like ba- like banned next? I can't remember what they're called now. Banned? School shootings. Can we do that one? Yeah, you know those ones? That, uh, it's like about uh, someone in like a high school. And uh, I, th- I think it's at least one book. Uh, it's about some high school student and they like shoot up the place. He, so it was banned in America. Actually, yeah, I was gonna say. I, f- I think he actually unpublished it. Like it was his decision yeah. to. So I don't. I don't even think if you can actually get that book. But I mean, if we could, I would be up for reading it. I've never actually read it or, or listened to it. But yeah, as as I said, I'm massive Stephen King fan. I love I love horror books. Stephen King is the king of horror. He's aptly named. 
he's just he he has written so many books i think it's over 70 at this stage he is extremely prolific so out of all all, all his books why pick this one i think that this specific book is probably one of his most tightly written it's it's the third book that he published uh after carrie and uh salem's lot i don't think it's his first masterpiece i think salem's lot is also in that it's, it's up there as one of his best as well that's a vampire book but this is this is one of the best ghost stories of all time in my opinion it's it's really up there with the the works of uh you know charles dickens uh, and uh shirley jackson it's just it's an absolute classic but it's more modern than those books those are of a previous time this is you know late 70s so it's more more our era uh ghost story i think stephen king is massively influential even in modern pop culture uh one of the biggest horror directors going right now is mike flanagan he did the uh he did the sequel to this uh dr sleep he did the movie for that he also did haunting of hill house which i would say has more in common with works of stephen king than it does off the actual haunting of hill house book if you've read both of those um and of course stranger things probably the biggest show that's still going at the moment stranger things is just so massively influenced by stephen king so has his influence on pop culture cannot be overstated in my opinion he is has has works just have influenced so much of what we consume now and and the reason that i wanted to do the shining is because i think if doing a book like the stand or it they're just so massive and this is this is nice and tight it's 15 15 hours so it wasn't too epic or anything but i think it was still a good introduction and it's it's a really really famous book it's really well known and obviously the movie as well is something that we can talk about so just before i ask you guys what your thoughts are your general thoughts about the book are i, I wanted they just ask you a different question uh what i just wanted to ask you guys because obviously i i write horror stories as well um and I'm really into horror movies. I'm really, really into horror at the moment. And I wanted to ask you guys, how do you feel about horror in general? Is it like a genre that you guys even like? It's not one that I would like, like normally put on or or you know, you know go for. Not not because I'm scared or you know they t- they frighten me or anything or I like the jump scares or anything. I just find them boring, really. To be honest, I mean I could watch one. Like that's Sarah, my partner. She 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 really likes horror films. So we lots of times when we go see a film, it'll be a horror film, right? And it's fine. I enjoy it, but I wouldn't like choose to put one on. You know, I could watch one easy, but I, I wouldn't like you know go out of my way to put one on. Yeah, it's the opposite in my relationship where I love horror movies and, and Greta really does not like them. But uh, I'll go on to you next, Jason. Um, I wouldn't really go out of my way to watch horror either. Um. I mean, it's funny you mentioned sort of Mike Flanagan. I have been very tempted in the past to sort of start some of his shows. Uh, maybe not The Haunt the Hill House. There was that other one about the Midnight, Priest and Proust. Midnight Mass, was it? Yeah, yeah. which I was uh, very tempted. Only because I actually like one of the actors in it too. I think he works with this guy a lot. Is it Rahul, Rahul Coley? Is that one something um, about like a, an island or something? Yeah. This, yeah. That's the one, yeah. Priest that rocks up, yeah. Um, and I see... See, very recently there's like a trailer out for his new series, Fall of the House of Usher, I think. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't massively go out of my way to watch horror. Um, 
honestly, I'm not the best of horror. Like the traditional jump scary sort of horror, I suppose. Um, I remember, I think it was my 13th birthday, I went to watch Paranormal Activity 2 in the cinema and had to leave. Because I was so shit scared. <laughs> those those um, <laughs> movies were scary, to be fair. But like, I could sit and watch like uh, something eerie, something tense. Like I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to the movie at some stage. But I have watched the movie also since reading the book, and there was times I was quite like sort of tense watching it. I was sort of I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't seen it before. And I suppose the whole whole aspect of fear essentially is like fear of the unknown. You just don't know what's going to happen next. You know. Um, Maybe that's why I yeah. don't like it because I like trying to guess what's going to happen next. Oh, I think well. Generally, a lot of people's fears are just fear of the unknown. Like, they don't know what's going to happen or who's going to pop out or whatever. So, that's what gets people. The greatest fear is fear itself. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I believe... I, I don't know what the cause was, but I believe that it was whenever uh, the backstory is that Michael had a birthday. I don't know what age Michael and all would have been, probably Ten. about eight or nine. I ten, I, and birthday. I was like, "Oh, we yeah, watched I was the like ring." Five, yep, yeah, and we watched the ring, <laughs> and it kind of traumatized me. And like, if I, there's a horror movie put on, I will, I will leave the room. Like, uh, I will not be put for it. Um, that being said, I, I kind of actually agree with what kind of with Jason was getting out there. Like the, the what I believe the Shining was, because um, I did watch the movie as well. The more psychological horror where it's yeah it's less about the like the just loud noises and jump scares it's more about like i i would say the shining is less it is in the horror genre but it's more like in psychological thriller kind yeah. of territory um which i actually quite enjoy um so i would say that side of horror i actually you know do enjoy but um i don't like the the traditional um kind of just yeah jump scary kind of just the stereotypical horror um, yeah, I, I would absolutely like hate that. Like, it's, I, I've, I don't watch, I haven't watched a horror movie since. <laughs> oh well, if you and apart from The Shining, though, I haven't watched the horror movie since The Ring. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of people seem to think that the like horror as synonymous with like the jump scare, scare jump scare genre, but um, like that is just one type of horror. Because as I pointed out to you before, Jonathan you really loved the walking dead when that show was good and that is that is a horror show you know it's not it's not scary or anything usually but it's still based on horror tropes and and horror material so i I like like we talked we talked about the like the the most recent season of stranger things as well like i yeah like vecna kind of thing that that is i can see why that's classified as horror but i don't find it scary do you know what i mean yeah like that that kind of horror i can deal with counting that as horror then yeah then i do like it then because that that more sort of like yeah like thriller uh disturbing yeah it's kind of like a disturbing horror that than the suspense one me too yeah yeah. Yeah. horror doesn't have to mean terrifying like no doesn't yeah don't talk to me after a hangover when I've got, got the horror <laughs> real bad. <laughs> Terrifying. I kind of, I kind of want to go off and talk about Stranger Things now, but I don't want to, I don't want to like diverge this podcast too much. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you now, guys, uh, what's your uh, now that you've talked about how ambivalent you are towards horror? <laughs> I want to hear what each of you thought about this book because I am extremely fascinated, and I'm, I'm expecting 
a, a diverse range of opinions here on this today. So uh, I'll start with you again, Stephen, since you answered the first question first. Okay. Just stay with the same format. What, what do you think I'm going to say? First of all, I think I think you're going to be middle of the road on this, Stephen. I think you're going to be about a. I think in the end you're going to rate this about a two point five. You're a hundred percent right, Michael. I <laughs> I thought this was just okay to be honest. Like it was listenable for sure, but I wasn't at any point, you know, scared or it didn't even have a sense of like you know suspense or anything. It was just kind of you know going along. <laughs> I was kind of just going along with it, like you know nothing. To me, nothing really happened, right? But it was it was okay, and everything that did happen, I kind of saw coming, you know. And I don't know if that's because it was it was it was blatantly obvious, or if just because of my magnificent guess. I think this your mystic Meg. <laughs> this is a a strange one because Danny is psychic, and he basically tells us what's going to happen in this entire story at the start. Well, yeah, that too. So it's kind of it's kind of laid out for us, and. Um, it's a, it is a strange thing to do that, but I think that that kind of takes it from being more mystery into suspense. Um, so I'll, I'll go on to Jason then, since you answered second last time, Jason. I'm just going to keep the same order for the sake of simplicity. Yeah, may as well. Um, so I mean, you've guessed, Stevens. What what do you think I'm going to say? I think you'll I think you'll give this slightly higher. I think you'll have liked this book. I think you'll give it about a three point five. Uh, well, you're wrong. I really really like this book. I would say I, I still enjoyed the first half, but I, I definitely sort of there was like a certain point that I don't want to say just right the second, but there was like a certain chapter where like things really picked up for me, and it just went from like a good book to like a really great book. Um, now in fairness, that probably was about halfway through, but I was enjoying it up to that point. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, so. Jonathan, do you want to give your general thoughts on it? Yeah, um, well, I guess you've guessed everyone else's, so I'll, I'll let you try and guess what, what you think that I thought. I think, I think uh, even though I know, Jonathan, you grew up really hating horror, I don't think The Shining is that scary. As you said, it's more, it, it has a cycle, it's like paranormal, psychological, nearly. Um, I, I'm going to say that you like this book, and you're going to give it a four, is what my guess will be uh yeah uh you're absolutely right um yeah i i I find this book pretty enjoyable um again yeah for something that i didn't expect to be um as an actual like in terms of the actual book side in terms of language and stuff like that i thought it was very easy to follow and stuff like that like i like the last episode for blood murder and like i was absolutely confused and lost in that book like this one i just thought even if he missed a wee bit you could just jump back in and like you still kind of knew what was going on um so i find this book very very easy to listen to and yeah the actual story itself was quite interesting and like it's one of them ones that's kind of left me like i've kind of left with more questions like like there's a lot of things that i would i'm, un- I'm interested here to see what your thoughts are or, like when we actually dive deeper um because there's a lot of things that i don't maybe don't know complete answer to or maybe you're not supposed to but yeah, it's definitely, uh, I find this book very, very interesting, and yeah, I would not say it's scary at all, like, I even watched the movie, and yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's at all scary, like. Uh, that's, that's about, uh, that's, that was one of the, like, major factors of picking it too, because I know, like, Hard to Follow has been one of the complaints of certain books that we've done this year, 
so I thought this book was because it's got such a small cast I mean it's for the majority of the book it's basically just Danny and um you know his his parents Jack and Wendy for for the most of the book so it's it's very small cast to follow uh, I think it's it's you know it's your basic ghost story so we kind of know how those go and as I said very early on in this story Danny tells us everything that's going to happen in this book he kind of warns us because he he has psychic or he's got the ability known as the shining which is basically that he's psychic so I'm just going to jump on here to the to what the beginning of this book is um okay so the shining was it was written in 1977 it is a horror novel by Stephen King as I said it was his third published novel uh it was his first to become a bestseller uh it's the shining is extremely as Stephen King has admitted himself it's extremely semi-autobiographical you can tell that he's he's definitely writing about himself uh the the main character Jack Torrance is an aspiring writer he's a sort of sort of a failed writer uh and a recovering alcoholic uh the the it starts basically what what this book starts out is kind of unusual because a lot of books a lot of writers are told to try and begin their stories in action or when something is happening whereas Stephen King sort of here he he kind of asks for a lot of patience because he's given you a lot of backstory for the characters first he goes through uh Jack's struggles uh how he his relationship with one of the pupils where he was like a mentor figure to him but then then he assaulted him and it kind of goes through Jack's relationship with uh, Al Shockley who is a colleague who, and they used to kind of enable each other go out drinking together until, until there was this event where um where they believed they might have hit somebody with the car while they were drunk so they kind of swore off drinking after that and we also see that Jack he broke Danny's arm when he was when he was on his his study at one stage we get a bit of uh backstory into jack's his uh what his parents were like we know that his father was abusive and we know that uh wendy's mother was uh emotionally abusive so we sort of we get, we're hit with a lot of backstory for these characters and we get about we get about into danny shining we see that he keeps picking up on their their thoughts like he's almost like he's a radio i think it's sort of it's sort of i wish more books actually started like this because i I sort of get disorientated when books are like starting such in the action before giving like characters to care about i wish more stories would ask for a bit of patience it reminds me sort of of breaking bad i know that that had a had a little prologue at the start of the episode the pilot where it was very fast and exciting but then it takes you back and it gives you so much character and it asks you to be patient. And I think that's like a similar opening here. So did you guys did you guys like that about the book? That it gave you so much backstory up front? Or did, did you wish it just got onto the story more? I did I did like it, but it turned it made me turn on Jack immediately. <laughs> like I know you I know you like spoilers, but he's like the antagonist more or less of the book, right? But from the start I, I didn't like him. <laughs> like as soon as you found out that uh you know, he broke Danny's arm. I was like, right, you're a bad egg. I don't care how steaming you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I did like how, how, it, um, how the book started, yeah. 
and even that just that um, intro scene where he's talking to um, what's his name again the manager of the hotel uh, um, Ullman Ullman yeah he's, talk, he's talking to him I, I really like that it gives you a good sense of the character like Jack and you know um, how he puts on this kind of fake persona to get the job and everything and yeah uh, yeah, I I did enjoy like the the backstory. I mean, as I sort of touched on, I do think it sort of goes on for nearly like half of the book. The first half, there's quite a lot of backstory, I would say. But I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I suppose. Well, I mean, for someone like myself who had never read the book or never watched the movie, my understanding was they're in a hotel, and like you don't really actually get going until maybe like. A good sort of third halfway through the book in that regard um so not that it was slow i still i still was enjoying it i still find it quite interesting i find like the whole sort of arc about jack's alcoholism and just the, the anger that sort of caused i did enjoy that sort of build up and almost sort of foreshadowing in a way um because you knew sort of once it was sober that that was not going to last. Or at least I had it in my head. It was not going to last. But um, no, I did. Uh, I really over, overall quite enjoyed the first part of this this book. You know, just just in something you said there about how like it takes a while to get even get to the hotel. I think I preferred that part of the book more, where it was all like talking about um, has you know has struggles with the alcohol and everything. That you know the the family dynamic thing, but bef- more so than the like supernatural part of it I don't think I would have liked the hotel as much had there not been all that backstory beforehand you know I think it was very important yeah I think that's um I was going to touch on this when comparisons to like the movie and the book but I think that's a big uh strong point in the book's favor I would say that um that you care about the characters a lot more in the book and I think that's like different approaches to horror but uh, by Kubrick and King, uh, but I'll talk about that more when we do. We do talk more about the differences between the book and the movie. Uh, Jonathan, what did you think of the opening, all the backstory, uh, everything that we learn about the family and and Jack and everything? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind the, the slower kind of start when yeah, you're just kind of figuring things out. Like it's sometimes when you're, uh, although I, I like the fast pace, like sometimes when you're plunged straight on this on, it is hard to follow at the very beginning so yeah I don't mind it having a wee slow kind of start and let you get to know the characters and things um, I found yeah the stuff about that mostly it focuses on Jack's kind of alcoholism background um, but I also like I don't think I, I don't even know if Stephen mentioned that in the last episode when he was on about the his description of what The Shining was about but um, like I don't actually know what, what why it's called The Shining or what Shining was um, so the actual kind of introduction, the um, Danny's kind of side and how he could like, uh, yeah, like I, I was at that stage thinking it was some kind of mind reading ability, but I guess it is, but it's like uh, obviously more than that as well. Um, but yeah, I find that quite interesting and definitely a good setup for the book. And yeah, I agree. It's, it was completely like necessary. Like if he had just started straight in the hotel without any of that backstory, um, like it wouldn't have been as interesting um, because you kind of, I think the fact that like Jack had this like kind of backstory of like violence and stuff um, definitely made him a more interesting character, and it kind of added the suspense that you kind of knew that he was capable of this stuff, 
even before all this weird stuff happens in the hotel. So, like, you know, with the influence of the mad stuff that goes on in the hotel, you know, it kind of makes sense why he went off the rails, but I guess we'll get more into that later. Uh, yeah, so um, that kind of leads us on then to the to the next part here. So we've already talked about, uh, Steve, well, Stephen touched on uh, Jack and Ullman were talking at the start of the book, and then, then it flashes back. Uh, so he talk, talks to Ullman, who he's the manager of the hotel, and he has this big reverence for the hotel. And Jack, we get a lot of, like, I remember talking last time about um, Blood Meridian. We talked about how it's not really interior to the characters at all. It's all action and external. And this this is the complete opposite. This is all internal, and it's so much on the characters' heads, which is the way Stephen King writes. We, we so we get the idea that he thinks he's this this smarmy guy, and he, there's a there's a bit of ego from from Jack as well. You can already sense. Uh, they're they're sort of shown around the hotel. They meet uh, Dak Halloran, who is the hotel cook. He takes a sort of he takes a special interest in Danny. Uh, asks his parents, "Can I have a word with him?" And he sort of when when he is alone with Danny, he kind of explains this ability that Danny's always had. He tells him about the shining which he he can communicate and he can sense these things and he has these abilities. Uh, Halloran also takes this interest in the character Tony, the, uh, Danny's, what his uh, parents term has, imaginary friend. So we kinda, we're, we're told then that uh, Jack's basic role in the hotel is that he is uh, he's the caretaker. He's going to reset this boiler, take care of the grounds, because the hotel is going to be closed for the winter. Nobody is going to be present. So there's a bit of wish fulfillment in the plot as well. Because it's like, also, this is cool. You get this entire hotel all to yourself. Uh, but we also kind of, because we know from Danny's point of view that he knows all the dread that's coming. It's kind of this ticking time bomb that we know Jack is right from the start. And and he's... I hope you were felt the same anyway, but I was very on board with Jack's journey. And I kind of, even even though he, he had such a horrible past, I really wanted him and the family to like get what they were looking for here and repair. Uh, and Jack, they kind of say, this is their last resort. This is where they're going to sort everything out. But obviously, you know, that that is not how this story is going to work out because we're told that at the beginning from Danny. So what do you guys think of kind of this setup of the hotel and everything and, and like, what we learn about the Overlook and, and that Overlook as a setting as a whole, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, the the showing around the hotel and everything, it was definitely <clears throat> building up this big picture of, like, this, uh, you know, monster of a building that he's, he's going to have to look after, right? <clears throat> and uh, it's definitely trying to build suspense for stuff, like even stuff like the boiler, right, where he's told, you know, he has to do... I keep it below a certain temperature or else it's gonna get like it's gonna blow basically, right? So that's that's foreshadowing from the start, right? So I, I was waiting for that to happen the whole way through. <coughs> Where he just forgets or somehow, you know, um he's busy with something else or whatever. But uh yeah, you, you definitely get a, a, a good sense of the scale of the you know, this task that he's been given. And uh yeah. You kinda of get a thought how it's gonna like weigh on him, sort of thing. Um, just to sort of touch on the boiler again, I mean, you say like it's a bit foreshadowing, but not just for like the hotel likely they sort of burn down, but also I thought it was like a good sort of like a simile uh, metaphor 
of like symbolism, yeah, Jack Torrance. Yeah. Symbolism, yeah. sorry, yeah, of yeah, like Jack Torrance. Definitely. You know, is he going to sort of boil over, meltdown as well at some point? Um, at least that was something I picked up on. Um, it's like a nice sort of, as you say, like a bit of symbolism, Michael. Um, I again, I really like the 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 overlook as a as a setting for the book. Um, like I. I think it's just such a creepy vibe. You know, they're sort of stuck in this, this hotel for six months at a time. You're snowed in. Um, and just this sort of very, very gradual sort of build-up of tension and, you know, what's happening over here? What's happening in this room? Why is this door open? I thought it was all, like, built up really well. Um, and the, the hotel was a big part of that. You know, I don't think they could have done just that if it was, like, stuck in a house for six months. Um, would have ran out of things to talk about. But, um, no, I definitely think the the hotel was was a great setting, and uh, just the outer exterior part of it as well. It gave the the idea of being quite vast, quite a lot going on outside it, but like nothing near it at all. Like they're saying, forty five miles was it to Sidewinder? I think. Yeah. Um, like very isolated. You know, quite secluded. It's quite the. Uh, Scary in itself, never mind the hotel being haunted. I was wondering if there was some sort of symbolism or, or like metaphor to the the name of the hotel. You know, like where it's called the Overlook. And I was kind of thinking, you know, are the are the parents overlooking something the whole time, like with the kid or something? But uh, don't know if that ever came to anything. Don't, uh, I didn't really ever think about that. At that, to be honest. No, I didn't think it. No. Um, I think like I think it's a good, it's a good way to cl- trap them in as well. Like in this hotel that where it's so inhospitable outside during the winter, because part of the thing about a lot of ghost stories is like, well, why why doesn't the family just leave? And yeah. that's that's the, that's the big thing that where they they physically can't leave after a while. You know, they have their they ha- kind of have their final chance to leave, but then I he realizes that this is the only this is the only chance for his dad so he he convinces Wendy that it's best to stay so i think it was a good a good decision to you know trap them where they had no choice yeah and it, uh, that's really driven home too because jack keeps saying throughout like oh this is our, like last chance you know yeah. i have to do this or else they're they're screwed yeah uh, what about you jonathan what did you think about like first being introduced to the overlook and all that that part of the book yeah um yeah agree with uh, what jason's saying about just the absolute fastness of the hotel it's it's also such not only the isolation but like it's such a big building that's like there's only three of them in it it's it's kind of it's quite quite scary like i, I think the the fact then that, that you know whenever they know where the other two people are like so say jack knows where danny and uh when they are and then like here's i think like the elevator starting up or whatever um you're just like i don't know it's just it's just it is like a scary thoughts that like you're you're completely alone in this hotel but but are you like it's it's yeah it's such a good setting for it. like uh, if this was just like i think i think a house is like it's not big enough did i like, have this like effect of like uh being so alone do you know what i mean like even if it's a house in the middle of nowhere, like it's it's kind of like it's only a house. There's only like so many rooms, whereas a hotel is just it's it's massive. Like there's there's so many places like things can hide and things like that. 
Um, I, do, I like the part uh, where Danny speaks with uh, De Callaghan too. That kind of you get more. Um, you kind of find out really what the power is about, and um, the fact that like Danny's like he, he kind of Dick kind of said more or less realizes he's really like powerful. This like he got the shine more than anyone else he's ever like met before. But he's just a five year old boy and can barely read words yet and stuff. So it's kind of like that thing where the most powerful person's also like so vulnerable and weak in a way as well. Um, which I which I think like, I liked in the story. Um, the fact that like you know, say if this was a a grown adult with this power that Danny has, like this the book would have been just over. But like, oh, it would have seen common sense and be like, all right, uh, yeah, let's not go up to that hotel. But uh, as a ch- as a, as a child, obviously, he was you know blinded by all those kind of things and just obviously wanted his mommy and daddy's uh, marriage to last or whatever. Um, so. Yeah, I think uh, I kind of liked that that whole chapter where Dick uh, speaking with Danny. Yeah, we get a lot of lore about The Shining as well, which is further expanded on in Doctor Sleep. But in this book, we kind of we're told that The Shining it's not it's not something that just Danny or Dick have. It's it's out there in the world. There is a, a percentage of people who have this, and to different degrees. Uh, I think even Dick says all all mothers shine a little bit. Um, and then yeah. he he can he kind of looks at Jack and he said he's not really sure what Jack has but he I think he has comment this Jack has something but he can't quite he can't quite pin it down if it has the shining or if it's some other other force within Jack. Did like you know you know what I find where I was I was like kind of bothered about is you know at the end right where this is kind of spoilers but Dex kind of like we're we're on spoilers anyway so that's yeah, fine that where Dex coming back right. And like he keeps meeting people that have the shine, and it's like, is this not supposed to be rare? <laughs> he just keeps coming but across did, people. They did comment on that, like he himself's like I've met. I normally meet like four yeah. in a month or something. I've met two in the one day. You know, this is about ominous sort of. Well, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I it's, it bothered me a wee bit. I was like, come on, <laughs> just let those two have it, and and uh, Dex Granny <laughs> as well. Uh, I kind of yeah, I kind of like I like that um that so many people have The Shining. It makes it more on the movie. It's treated as this kind of it as it's a horrible thing. It's like having The Shining is really scary. It does sound but, horrible to be honest. Like I mean, can you imagine having to listen to people's thoughts? Like you have to. Yeah, and the book it's kind of it's it's sort of it is horrible at times, but it's also sort of magical in a like Steven Spielberg kind of way. And I kind of I like I like that. It's both those things. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're given a we're given a insight that Danny has the ability a lot stronger than anybody Dick has ever met before. He kind of gets Danny to communicate something to him, and he's like taken aback by how strong the force is. So Danny is Danny is coming into this place that's haunted with this exceptional ability, and we're given the symbolism of like more symbolism in the story of the wasp, the wasp nest. And it's kind of like the overlook as the wasp nest. The ghosts are the wasps. They're these hateful, hateful images of people. I don't even think they are the people anymore. I think they are just copies of them. And they're this malevolent forces. And Danny being there is like kicking the wasp's nest. He's like alerted them all and made them come out more in a big way because the the presence of the shining within the hotel is like it just makes it come alive more. So then we start to see 
we start to see more disturbing things, disturbing visions and apparitions appear, and we we keep getting red rum, red rum over again. It comes into Danny's head. Uh, there's uh, there's these hedge hedge animals who who they, we can see that they start to move. There's a fire hose that like it just extracts itself off the wall and goes after Danny down the hall. So I think the intention is to show that not only are there operations within the hotel, the hotel itself is like a living being. The hotel itself is like an entity. Um, Wendy becomes more concerned that something is wrong with Danny. This is the point that I referenced earlier where they, she is, they're starting to think of going away from the hotel, but you can see that that's, that's not the best thing for the family right now. So it's kind of, again, Wendy is thinking, am I doing what's best for the family or am I doing what's best for me and Danny specifically? And she chooses the family as a whole entity. But this is a constant struggle throughout this book for her. And during the during this time, we start to see slowly Jack is becoming ever so slightly more unhinged. Uh, he becomes obsessed with this scrapbook. He finds that documents the history of the Overlook. Gives us more information with like the mob ties that there was executions and all these uh, all these dodgy things that happened throughout the year. Uh, what did you guys think of of this? Where the where we start to see, you know, that more disturbing things happen within the hotel. And I haven't said about it yet, but we learn about room two seventeen, the the most haunted room within the hotel, where the presence is especially evil. I mean, th- just on the watchness, right? One one thing that struck me about that is that like Jack gives Danny the watchness, right? So it's like, you know, he gives it to him and says something along the lines of, you know, it's fine. You, you know, they're all they're all dead or whatever. Uh, but in fact, they're not. So it's like, it's almost like saying the book tells us, like, or tell, or, you know, Danny should be aware not to trust his dad after that point sort of thing. Because as, as uh, you know, his judgment isn't the best. But we're the wasp up dead at that stage, like... I was of the sort of understanding that the wasps had been killed and then through supernatural forces they were sort of alive again. That was why I sort of was picturing at the start anyways. Yeah. I think that, that I think that's definitely a, a fair a fair interpretation. I think it uh I think that it is it is vague whether whether or not that happened. I, mean, I suppose it's sort of first experience with the sort of well, potentially supernatural aspect of the hotel, so I didn't really know what to expect. But that was my sort of thinking yeah. behind it was that Jack actually had done it correctly. It's just, it's yeah, it's you know, it's the beginning of the hotel trying to make him question himself. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Or, I mean, yeah, or maybe it's like you know the thing saying your dad's going to hurt you in some way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's going to cause you pain in some sort of fashion. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think I think both those interpretations are valid. I think it is. I think um, it's intentionally kind of vague about the wasp's nest for for that reason that it is supposed to be symbolic and like symbolism isn't as a meant to say something. It's meant to like allow you to project something onto it. So I think I think both of those are valid. Um. What about you, Jonathan? What did you think of like this part of the book where stuff starts happening and freaky stuff, and we see that things are alive in the hotel? Well, first of all, like 
like if that whole situation with the wasps happened to me, that would have been me out of there. Like I <laughs> absolutely hate wasps. Like so, mm. like yeah. I would have known at that stage that's to get out. Like do you know what I mean? So this wouldn't have happened to me if I was standing. <laughs> like I would have been gone, gone. Like um, no, I mean yeah, you're just you're kind of getting on the like these weird things happen. It's it all, it's kind of always ha- it's all happening to Danny at this stage, right? So like you kind of. I think because of his conversation with Dick as well, it's like Dick kind of says, nothing will hurt you. And then obviously there's a question about room 217 and he's kind of like, I don't go on there. <laughs> Even though he's just told them that nothing can hurt you in this hotel. He's kind of, I still, still don't go on to that room. But um, yeah, so it's kind of like, you're like, yeah, is this just like, again, you probably don't really understand like what's going on here. So like, kind of thinking is this just Danny like having these mad visions or something like that or is is these things actually like a part of this hotel so is it part of the hotel or is it part of Danny um at this stage like I'll say I don't I don't really know um but yeah I definitely find it interesting um and yeah it's more like disturbing like like the wasps and stuff like that it's more like disturbing things happening as opposed to scary so um yeah I wasn't yeah, too like worried or anything at this stage like you know I was I, like see for the following like at the moment like I like love um like alone Monday to Friday and then like my housemate comes back during at the weekend so like I kind of waited to watch it at the weekend with him <laughs> to watch the <laughs> yeah. movie um but like obviously now I know that I know like I probably could watch it by myself but uh I think like most of the stuff in the movie is more on the disturbing side of things um and like this is kind of like yeah, I think like for me honest, the wasp thing was probably the most disturbing um now the question, a question I had um, about, uh, maybe we can talk about this later, but whenever there's more, but like about like the ghosts and the spirits and stuff that you see there, whatever they are, like, are they like supposed to be people that have died in the hotel or is it just like random people or? I think it's supposed to be people who have died. Yeah, Die. that's what, yeah. Or are there even ghosts? Hmm? I, I think I think what Stephen is saying too, that's a, I think that's another difference in the book and the movie. I think Kubrick wants you to like maybe think this is might be in Jack's head, whereas I think I think the book takes a more definitive stance on it that there is something supernatural going on. Uh is my interpretation of the two two things anyway. I think Kubrick is more like, is this a is this all imaginary? Is this just a man going mad? Like I think like the suspense for me then came from Kenna like, you know, Dick Halloran telling him that nothing can hurt you, and it's like, do I trust what he said because he knows about the shining business, or is that the whole, like, is it supposed to be the book trying to trick you and they believe in him, and then actually, no, it can hurt you, like, like I, I don't really, this is kind of where I got the but like, what's, what, what is going on, like, here, this is, this is kind of where the real feelings of kind of, the, the questions, I would say, started to arise for me. Uh, this is where I really got hooked into it as well, I would say. So around this stage, maybe slightly just after, but it's definitely when the when the book definitely started getting its claws into me. Yeah, I I was definitely questioning whether it was like there was a supernatural presence, or if Jack was slowly going insane, and Danny was like already traumatized from like you know his dad beating him and all, right? I, I was wondering because like some things happen and it's from from Danny's perspective, right? And then he tells his parents about it. But the parents never see it. So like did he sort of imagine it? 
or, or or not is what I was trying to work out. Yeah, because all the all the all the initial scares are are from Danny. Yeah. It's only up slightly later that we start to see yeah, them from Jackson. It's, it's towards the end where they're you know all these they've seen inverted commas all these things happen to Danny right where they're starting to now question reality themselves and uh, Jack for sure starts seeing like <laughs> hallucinating people in the, in the bar right. Uh, but Wendy starts to do it a bit as well, where she, like, I think she speaks to them and sees people dancing and stuff at, at certain stages. But, I mean, at the same time, there was too many, like, coincidental things between the characters where they were, like, on their own. Like, they all seen these people in the ballroom, right? So, I don't know. It was it was something I, I, was, I was going over, though. I, like, I was waiting for the reveal that they, they were all insane. I think, like... Jack kind of like when he first sees paranormal things too, he kind of he kind of gaslights himself. Yeah. He's kind of like he's denying it to Wendy, but in doing that, he's kind of also denying it that these things happen to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I, I think he absolutely loves it anyway because it's his excuse to drink. Like I don't know actually know if he is drinking or or like is he imagining that he's drinking? Like it's because obviously there's no bartender there. Or well, let's it's like a spirit let's or whatever. talk about that part of the book. Then I'll just give that a brief intro because that is the next part here. So, uh, Danny Danny wanders into room two one oh seven. He uh, he he's strangled it's by a corpse. He has has these bruises. Wendy Wendy and Jack see the bruises. Wendy accuses Jack. This kind of exacerbates the distrust between Wendy and Jack, which puts Jack further into his spiral. He wanders into the hotel ballroom. He sees that the bar is full of full of liquor, even though this it was completely dry at one stage, and there's now a bartender called Lloyd. He converses with Lloyd, gets martinis poured for him, and then all of a sudden there's this ball. The ballroom is, is full. And after after several drinks, Jack is confronted then by Delbert Grady, who was the former caretaker, who we were told that near the beginning of the story that he murdered his family, chopped them up into little bits, I believe was was how it was phrased um and grady urges jack to correct his his wife and son uh, and jack agrees that they need discipline they need to be set right and and so kind of that was what you were talking about jonathan that scene there uh you're just saying was there drink was there not um i think uh i think it's very interesting that he do, he doesn't just find a bottle he's drinking empty glasses and he starts to feel hungover he starts to feel drunk and I, I, was, I was wondering for a long time why did why was that decided instead of him just finding alcohol in Caven? Because if the theme is that Jack is an alcoholic, surely that could have been conveyed with him just finding drink and caving in. Yeah. And I think the reason is that this is more because these themes are about more than alcoholism. I think it's about it's about the thing that is broken on Jack that he's been trying to fix with drink that he's not wanted to confront and i think like this this isolation instead of instead of removing him from all that it's left him with nothing but confrontation to that brokenness and that's what the that's what the hotel is prodding on and poking on and trying to ignite but that was that was my interpretation of why there was there was no alcohol in that scene but what what did you guys think of that that part of the book where we uh Wendy accuses Jack, and then we have the ballroom scene, which, in my opinion, was one of the best scenes. Uh, yeah, so, as I say, this is the part where, like, things really sort of 
picked up for me. Um, just that sort of the period beforehand where Jack is sort of seeing like the uh, the hedge animals sort of chasing after him like that. That for me was like I was actually sort of quite tense. I found that quite quite uh, scary. Um, but I guess this sort of slow descent into madness. And I think I know I know like obviously we're not supposed to like Jack. You know he's abuses child. He's abusive to his wife. Maybe not physically, but in other ways. Um, but I do, I do, <laughs> I do find like the first sort of up until this point, I do think Jack was really trying to redeem himself. Yeah, I, I do think he actually was quite caring. I do think he was trying his best. You know, he was off the drink for a few years, and even like sort of went like Jack's sort of internal monologue is always like, "She's never going to let that go. She's never going to let that go." Which interestingly. You're also not letting go, Stephen. Like you're still bringing up how he's abused his son, um, despite him. Well, I mean, that's kind of a big sticking point. Like he broke his son's oh, arm. I, I would agree. As with a you, father, like, like it's that sticks me. This is uh this is written back in the fucking seventies or eighties. Rob's cool, then. Yeah, that's fine, then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why that's that that's why that scene in it is okay as well. Oh God. <laughs> in it. In it. Let's we'll talk there's, about there's, that another time when we talk, cover that. Talk about that next year. <laughs> Doing the um, so yeah, I thought I, I thought like this part was like really was really just when the hotel like sort of got got its grasp on Jack and was finally able to sort of take over and sort of well, I think like possess him almost. Um, I think this is when they sort of were finally able to sort of take over. They sort of lost the fight. It couldn't sort of fight against the hotel anymore. Like the hotel was trying to fight him, trying to fight him. Got him drunk. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But Jack was believing he was drunk. And that sort of, that was what sort of lost him that fight. Does does the fact that then, like, so it's kind of a question first. Does the fact that, like, Jack can see all this going on around him, does this mean that he can shine as well? Or, like, would anyone, even the person that can't shine, that is in this hotel could see this stuff going on because I know the mum sees stuff as well but like Dick Halloran said that every mum kind of shines a bit so like is Jack can he like shine is that is that what you guys think is going on here or do you think he's just seeing this stuff as well I think it's more of like a possession type thing with him you know because I was wondering the reason I was thinking about this is because like it has like whole drinking the reason he's had this mad tough life and like you know his dad obviously you know, there's troubles with his father and then stuff stuff now like is it because of this ability to shine is causing this and like he's like kind of not really either learned to control it or like he's seen some mad stuff or whatever he's had some weird thoughts because of this so obviously like you know the stuff that Danny's like seeing now when he's five year old five years old he's, it's gonna mess him up in the future like um, is the same thing happened to Jack, or like, do we know? Like, does Jack even have an actual drinking problem, or does he just always imagine that he's drinking? Like, like, is he just an absolute lunatic because of this ability? Yeah, I think that I think that's a really good interpretation. Um, I've never really thought about that. Like, um, I think it's I think it's kind of like what Dick said. He, Jack has Jack has something. There's there's some something on Jack, but he he's just not sure what it is. 
as regards to can can only people who shine see the presences i i don't think that's the case to be honest i think like all these sightings that have happened in 217 and all i don't think everybody who's seen something can shine this is my interpretation of it i think that anybody can see something and overlook but it's the it's the presence of the shining that makes that they kind of feed on and become stronger well that's that's interesting maybe, is it maybe because dick halloran's there they during the rest of the year the people and he's not as powerful with the shine as danny is that like some people see things sometimes yeah i think that's i think that's it and i think if, if a small percentage of people have it that means there are going to be guests who have the shining every now and then who have some extent of the shining and who are bringing these things out what about then this this 217 because this all kind of happens like where danny goes on and gets like strangled and all or two two one two one zero seven or whatever the, the room number is 217 217 uh 217 is this corpse like in there or is this again just a vision of some woman that's like died because like say like or so in the movie maybe getting under the kind of comparing the movie territory here but in the movie it's kind of like when jack uh nicholson or jack's actual the actual jack torrance goes on it's like he goes on and sees like a, a good looking woman like a naked good looking woman and like dances where and then it's like she turns on their corpse then at some stage like so is it actually just like a vision or is there like a dead body actually in this place like how does danny get those actual like physical bruises on him i think it's a ghost like it's so it's just like bruises yeah so uh, so why is it just because yeah, because this woman like killed herself or something like that. She's like a bad ghost because like you know all the other ghosts are like just dressed as like fancy ballroom guests or whatever. They're like all nice, not not like they're not trying to kill people essentially. Whereas this one is just like a bad ghost because probably of the nature of her death or whatever. Danny strangled himself, boys. <laughs> um, the the stuff in the ballroom, I hope to yeah, it's quite good. It's actually again, I don't know if it was because because I watched the movie like not after I'd read the book, but kind of when I was at this part in the book as well. Um, I just, it's just when it happened to be that I was able to watch the movie. Um, but I think just like, you know, when like, like Jack, Jack's character goes up to, uh, the bartender, it's just like, he kind of already knows him. He's just like, you know, sort me out loud. It's like, you know, when you're always best friends with a barman, even though you don't know each other. I just, I thought that's kind of like a funny, yeah. like stereotypical, like, uh, interaction with a barman. And yeah, that the scene then in the bathroom, or that's what it is in the movie and like in the book. I'm not sure if it's even said where it is, but he's when he's talking to that previous caretaker, and this is where more questions come up. When he says, "Jack's kind of asking him, weren't you the previous caretaker who like killed his wife and kids or whatever?" And he's like, "Like more or less, I'm you or something like that, or like the caretaker's always been you or something like that." I I'm so confused here, like, but like. In a good way, I was confused. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like where I'm lost. It's more like I'm just like, I just, it hurts my head to try and process it. <laughs> but like, oh, yeah. what, what do you think? Yeah, it's going on. I think that's that's his way of saying it was your destiny to end up here. And I think what, uh, what uh, I think the hotel is manipulating Jack there because this is a guy who, he wants so much to be important I think that's what he's like. He hates this menial job that he's working. He just wants to be important. And then, um, then the, the caretaker is saying to him that you were always the caretaker. You were always meant to be here in the hotel. This be this big important person. This ball is all for you. Everything's for you. And then uh, he he's 
en- enraged at the idea of them wanting Danny because how could Danny be more important than him? So I think that, and that's where yeah. a lot of the anger comes from. Well, like, like what I actually thought was going to happen here, and I actually still kind of fought it near the end too. Like where I can't even remember if this bit's in the book, but you know, whenever in the movie is like picture is like on the wall, and it's like Jack's in the picture from like nineteen twenty or something not, like that. That's definitely. That's no, not the book. That's yeah. uh, ah, that's the movie. So yeah. But uh, what I thought was actually going on, like I thought there's some weird kind of time loop here going on. It's like Jack was that previous caretaker and it's just he's like living this endless loop of being the caretaker at this hotel and going through this torment. That's that's what I was like thinking then at this stage. Yeah, I think that was Kubrick trying to tie it in. He put the picture in to make it look like Jack was a ghost. Yeah. From the start, yeah. Um, I would say that's not what the book's trying to do. Yeah, I prefer is, that, but I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Although I'd say that there probably is like an element of time travel, but I think it would jump ahead a little bit. There, there is, there is time, tra- yeah, there is time travel yeah. Yeah, in this but book. I don't want to say, because we're not just quite there yet, but. Okay, maybe I'll answer a sin about them. Uh, so the next part, uh, Jack, after after he goes up with the intention of disciplining them, he attempts to strangle Wendy in the bathroom. Wendy, she uses a glass bottle to hit Jack over the head. Together, Danny and uh, Wendy, they drag Jack's unconscious body to the pantry. They lock him inside. Grady shows up again. He, he lets Jack out of the pantry. This is where I think Stephen King is saying definitely what's happened is supernatural. It's not in Jack's head. I think he takes a definitive stance yeah. within the book on it. So he, after he, that's is after he promises to to kill Wendy and bring his son, bring bring his son basically to the spirits of the Overlook. So this is where you know the the big climax comes. Then Jack, this time he gets the he gets a rope mallet. Uh, famously in the movie, it's an axe, but it's a rope mallet in the book. He goes after Wendy with it on the stairs. She stabs him in the back with a, a kitchen knife. He's constantly going after her. Uh, she locks herself in the bathroom. Jack uses the rope mallet to smash smash on the door, let himself through. Wendy cuts him. Meanwhile, we're getting like this story from Halloran's perspective where he receives a psychic call for help from Danny. We can see that uh, Halloran, he's like making his way to the hotel through plane rides. This is when he encounters, as Stephen was referencing, all these different people with The Shining. He uh, he gets set upon by the hedge animals when he comes onto the Overlook. And then Halloran makes it inside. He's gravely injured by Jack, who attacks him with the rogue mallet. Again, another difference from the book, he dies in the, he dies in the movie. In the book, he is just horrifically <laughs> injured. So, well, this is this is just before. Well, I'll leave another part for the end. What are you guys thinking at this point and, and about really this part like of the book? story where we follow him on his journey. <laughs> really? For some some reason, I, re- I really enjoyed those parts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, every, everything else is going on. That, that's this is where it really started picking up for me. Yeah, um, and yeah, I was I was enjoying the all the the, the violent parts. <laughs> Were like to me something exciting was happening, you know. Um, I found Halloran's little journey to the hotel a bit 
I probably took away from the tension a little bit for me actually. Um, I, I still like overall I really enjoyed this section of the book, but I did find the sort of hollering bits were just like like sort of you build up, build up, build up the tension, and I know the tension's still there while you're sort of He's listening to Halloran getting there. But I just thought, like, just let him show up. You know? <laughs> I don't need to know how he gets there. But, yeah, no, I find this bit really good. Um, I, I noticed a few differences. Like, I, again, everybody knows the movie. I hadn't seen the movie. At this stage, I was sort of thinking, okay, so does he say here's Johnny? I didn't think he did, but... And I was sorry. Uh, yeah. I, was sort of, I didn't <laughs> think he did, but um, I was like, he doesn't have an axe. He has the mouth. I've got, a, I've got a lust. I've got a lust of all the differences, and I, I will go through yeah, them after we, when we finish our book portion of this. Like even I was sort of thinking, like I knew about the twins. Well, it does mention about the twins in the in the book. Like the twins are still. Yeah, they're mentioned, but you don't see them. They're mentioned. You don't see them. Yeah, and like the elevator of blood. I was sort of exactly happened. Is that? Um, but yeah, I I quite enjoyed the sort of chase from Jack. Um, even the sort of part where they had him locked up, it was still quite like, what, what are they going to do? They can't really just sit in this hotel for the next four months or whatever it is. Yeah, I was I was really tuned in when they locked him in the in the pantry or whatever it was. I was like, how is he going to get out of here? <laughs> right, right enough. How is he going to get out of here? And then like ghosts get him out. And I was wondering, hmm, maybe there are ghosts. <laughs> yeah, so you're coming around to the ghosts. I was, I was coming around it then because there was no other, I couldn't explain it any other way. You know what's bad whenever you need to you use ghosts to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the uh, fantasy version of We Solved It With Magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ghosts. Yep, ghosts did it. <laughs> No, or maybe Jack used his shining powers to, you know. Mm. Nah, now you're getting back on it, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? What were you feeling this this portion of the book? Yeah, obviously, it's, but it's, it's probably the most exciting part, the whole chase and uh, basically help Jack becoming, like, more or less trying to kill him. I mean, you, you knew this is going to happen from the very start, obviously, and like the whole thing with the other caretaker having gone mad and killed his wife and kids, like it's all foreshadowing for this, and you know what's going to happen, but it's still, still quite tense, and like I, although I think obviously this is quite a famous book and movie, and I've heard of bits and pieces, and Stephen practically summarized it all last. Like I don't know, I don't know how it ended, so uh, I don't actually know what was going to happen here. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this in the differences part of what you have written down or like in the movie obviously says here's Johnny like who, who the hell is Johnny? Like, yeah. Like who is Johnny? a reference to something but I think it's a reference to like a game show or something or, or something like that. But like why? And it was like just a it was an improv line. I, I don't know like maybe on this show Johnny just appears and he says here's Johnny. And then Jack Nicholson just riffed Apparently on that. It's, a, it's an imitation of Ed McMahon's intro for The Tonight Show. There, there we go. I thought, yeah, cause obviously that's only in the movie then, because when it wasn't in the book, I was kind of a bit confused then. But when I, when I watched the movie, yeah. I seen that bit in the movie before I read the part in the book, or listened to the part in the book, and I was thinking, is this like Johnny, like another form? You know, like I was thinking, like my thought process was all down this like time loop thing. 
So I was thinking, <laughs> is this a previous version version of him? Like, is this is Johnny? You read, like, you read? Do you mind? Way too much of that. <laughs> <laughs> One line. <laughs> really, really overthought. That. All the way. <laughs> this, this book had my it's head. Just a r- random like. throwaway line. <laughs> Yeah, the so, the so uh, end the movie. Yeah, um, but you know what? I think the uh, any book that can kind of spark your imagination like this is a is a good book. So, but uh, no, I really enjoyed this part of the book. Just a summarize. Yeah. So uh, after after Halloran is attacked, we uh, we we see Jack pursuing Danny, and Danny is wandering the halls. He's following Tony's voice. Tony, who's helping him, and this is where. It's it's revealed that Tony is basically Danny from the future. He's Danny shining back to himself, uh, sending these warnings about these forthcoming events. This is what I believe Jason was referring to with the time travel thing. Yeah. It's your kids, Danny. Something's got to be done about your kids. <laughs> so we, uh, Jack corners Danny, and Danny is kind of thinking, this isn't his dad, not this... Uh, Saturday night shock horror with its rolling eyes and he sees like a false face for a moment Jack recovers some control and he tells Danny to run so it's kind of like it's this kind of bittersweet thing where Jack does conquer it but only momentarily only enough to do right by his family he can say he he can just about tell them to run that's all he can really do that's the last bit of uh autonomy he has um then we have this thing where jack turns the rope mallet he turns it onto his own face and destroys it which i think i I take to mean that the hotel is showing your father is dead now it's all the hotel i'm just a blitter and obliterate in the last of jack torrance also just on that i i took that to me this goes back to something i said about the start of the book where he puts on this like fake persona right when he gets the job and everything, and and when he does the teaching and everything, he's kind of like the the real Jack has come out now, sort of thing. You know, the al- alcoholic, you know, monster, basically. That is actually that is actually was my interpretation the first time I read this. You know, but I sort of I sort of flipped on it this time. But I think I think it could be either. Yeah. So so uh, Danny suddenly remembers what his dad had overlooked. That they overlooks the unstable boiler that he's supposed to check all these all the time. He's supposed to constantly check it. Has not been checked in, in several days and that it's gonna blow. Wendy, Halloran and uh Danny flee the hotel together. For a second we have the, the notion that he has stopped it in time. He stopped the boiler. No he didn't. The overlook blows up. Uh Halloran, Wendy, they all ride away on the snow snowmobile. We have a short epilogue then where Halloran is like a, now a father figure to Danny, and although Danny misses Jack, he he's ha- he's you get the sense that he has some peace in his life anyway. That it, it ends with uh, Halloran, Wendy, and Danny watching Rainbow Fish. So, what did you guys think of this? The ending of this book, then this last portion. Just, just before I get into it, I, I want to talk about Tony a bit more. Like, is it is it outright said that he's Danny from the future? Like, I, I must have missed that part. I know the bit where, you know, he speaks to him and tells him about the boiler and everything, but is it outright said that he's... So I think Danny's middle name is Anthony. Yeah, but, I mean, um, okay, but he's presented as a as an imaginary friend, right? And so that's, like, another a subconscious part of Danny. So, you know, 
Yeah, but as a yeah, as a shame purge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm just I'm just asking the question. You know, was it outrightly said? It's uh, I it is it's I don't have the um I was looking to see if I could get a, a paragraph for you, but it's um I was somewhere of something about um that that this the sense that was coming back to him was was himself and and the years to come or something like that. It is it is vague, so you could potentially interpret as being metaphorical yeah, I mean, because but I why, find... why does he show himself bad things like before the hotel yeah but like it doesn't it obviously doesn't work and he should know no. that it doesn't work because <laughs> why like he's loved this before does that mean now that tony or or danny is now in like 10 years time gonna be like oh fuck's sake i have to go back now and uh <laughs> show danny all these mad signs because he's weird he's five like doing like <laughs> Uh, time travel's like stupid, I think, sometimes. Well, it's a bootstrap paradox, well, right? Well, yeah, because... we, would, we would be getting onto uh, about sleep. debate about <laughs> time travel here. And, and Dr. Sleep is there, so you can read that book if you if you want. But I, I really recommend the yeah, movie. It, I mean, it's a great movie. And Mike, Mike Flanagan directs it, yeah. yeah without, Gregor, without, getting, without getting into it, like, yeah. it's, it's a bootstrap paradox where he, sh- you know, because he's loved it, then he time travels to tell himself about it but because he's well time traveled to unless, tell unless there's it, then he knows you know. unless there's like only two timelines where there's time timeline a <laughs> okay. and timeline b and timeline a just horrific things happened and i had no warning so then timeline a danny is like i better give timeline b danny a heads up so the timelines are two different things that's the way i would explain time travel it's, it's the dragon ball it doesn't, it doesn't make travel, sense uh explanation yeah, yeah. 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 wasn't the rule of time travel that one he tells them then on timeline b about these warnings that then creates new timelines in which case all the possibilities and the timelines start splitting which is how you end up with so many timelines yes look well yeah that could 80s. also happen but he was on a lot of coke that's not overthinking <laughs> <laughs> So uh, apart from the apart from the Tony thing, then Stephen, what did you think about the end of the book? I like the end of the book. I like when Halloran shows up and just saves the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but did yeah. Halloran save the day, or did the Jack Torrance redemption arc happen? No, definitely. He not. saved the day absolutely, absolutely by not. smashing his own face out of letting him flee. No, I, I, I don't think. Uh, no, I. <laughs> I think. I think he did. You've got a lot of love for Jack. <laughs> I can say. Love me an alcoholic dad. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, I really like the end of the book. I, I like the, the whole the, the suspense part when you know where the dad is coming for them and you know, then he, he kinda of backs off to go sort out the boiler and it's like, is he gonna get there in time? Does it even matter? Because they're probably gonna get away anyway, sort of thing. And yeah. The, the end of the book, I, I really enjoyed it <clears throat> compared to the rest of the book. Except for Halloran's uh, journeys. Yeah, I mean, all I really wanted to say was that I I thought that was the, the Jack Torrance redemption arc was that sort of you know, he had his struggles, he fought against the hotel, the over, hotel overcome him. He sort of broke free of that once he was like about to kill Danny and stopped it and let Danny flee, you know. Which give him enough time to get away because then after the the hotel had to go and try and save the hotel. So like without without Jack stepping in and buying Danny that time, like you know Danny would have been killed. The, the hotel might have got the shining powers, which is what they sort of wanted, I believe. Um, so 
So yeah, I I I do think it was uh, Jack Torrance is like a bit of a tragic hero. This is an arsehole. Oh, well, he's <laughs> bit of a tragic hero. Yeah, I think he's I think he's definitely a. I would say he's a more complex character than an outright villain. I would I say I would, there is some redemption, and and has ending. What about you, Jonathan? How did you feel about the the end of this book? Um, yeah, I mean, I agree there with Jason about the the redemption arc. That's that's. I mean, yeah, it doesn't excuse what he did before, but I think it's kind of like this this last week. Yeah, like I could never, I couldn't like be the da that I should have been, but at least I can. At this moment, this is all I can do to kind of at least give him a chance in the rest of his life. Um, so I did like that kind of little small uh, redemption part. Um, the, the Halloran part, like, like Halloran seemed about you. I know he, he kind of helped him get away, but he also got like badly hurt too. Like he, he done do an amazing I was, job. Like I was joking when I said he came on and saved the day, but yeah, yeah it's, it's even more. It's egregious on the on the. And the and the movie because he just he just gets axed straight, straight away straight away <laughs> he just gets killed straight away, straight away. <laughs> oh, it's like, like what was the point to him showing up there now? <laughs> yeah um yeah like Stephen uh, the whole Tony arc thing <laughs> I don't really get that at all in terms of the time travel thing I just I just thought that uh, you know when they talk about earlier in the book they were talking about that he'll grow out of it and stuff like that I thought that think that was just more or less like Tony was more or less kind of like one of these another one of these ghost kind of things but yeah. maybe like a, a a child version of them so that it like related with Danny that's kind of what I was thinking but I don't really think too much about it to be honest I mean yeah the, the ending was quite satisfying like see I think we'll talk about it in a minute but compared to the movie like I honestly did not enjoy the movie like the movie was quite shit I, um, want, I really want to like, talk about the movie, but we'll get on there. Yeah, next. yeah. Also, like, when we talk about, <laughs> I didn't watch. But the like, movie. But, that's okay, Steve. The, oh, no, like, we'll need to wrap the movie. Like. No, I forgot. <laughs> but uh, the ending, I think, was a lot more satisfying. Like, because because obviously, then I'd watched the movie before I'd read the end of the book and seen the ending in the movie, and was a bit disappointed. And then I was happy that the book kind of had this extra stuff and like more happened in the end. So yeah, I thought the anthem was quite satisfying, and yeah, although like uh, it's an, an ending of uh, you know they kind of get away. It's got that thing where Danny, I think Halloran is talking to Wendy at the end, kind of like you know is he going to be alright? And it's like I think he will be. So they're still kind of messed up from the whole trauma of this, but there's kind of hope. But you just you never know unless I guess in Doctor Sleep we'll talk about it. But yeah, in this in terms of this book, like it's kind of just ends on that. So yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, so strangely, Dark Sleep is also sorry. I was going to say, Doctor Sleep was written about forty years later, wasn't it? Yeah, so, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was written a long time later. Um, it was written in two thousand and fourteen. So yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I read somewhere that he had the idea for it for a long time or something. Yeah, I I loved this ending as well. I thought it was a thought it was a really satisfying ending, and it was really warm. Ending despite all the horrific things that happened, there was. There was a lot of hope, and there was redemption for for a character who who might have seemed irredeemable. And we'll get on to that because I think that, that discussion actually ties a lot onto the movie as well. Um, 
but oh, are you guys so are you guys okay if we jump on to talk about the movie then because i find i've been dying to talk about it this whole episode and i don't want to i don't want to make the whole i don't want to make the whole book discussion about the differences between the movie i was trying to keep it on the book but now we can talk about the book and the movie what about do you want to do the star rating and the the narrator and stuff first yeah. and then go on to the comparison to other yeah, media and it, then talk about the movie there i think it fits nicely under that yeah okay all right then we'll do star star rating first then um and since we haven't touched on the narrator give a wee word about the narrator when you're doing your your wee summary here so uh we'll go to we'll go to Stephen. i've called on you a lot and I'll, I'll leave you to the model this time so we'll go to jason first there jason if you want to give your your star rating yeah um so i really said to start i really like this book um i really really like this book the narrator was quite good. I thought um, he sort of captured. I thought how he sort of played about with the voices, especially in like regards to like Jack Torrance and like the the hotel haunted or possessed Jack. You know, I thought he he did enough with his voice to sort of portray the emotions. And there's times like it, it, I actually jumped a bit because of like how loud he shouted. Um. <laughs> <laughs> once or twice that definitely happened uh but yeah i really really like this book i would love i don't know why i would love to say it's a masterpiece i would love to say five out of five but there's just i, th- I don't know if it was just like there's just something that's just sort of keeping me away from that five five stars out of five so i think i'm going to have to give it four and a half do you think it was great eh? has convinced you <laughs> I don't know. Nice, I think it was nice. maybe just that sort of. While I still enjoyed the opening section, I still just thought maybe slightly too long. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's grand. We'll go on to John. Uh, I was actually going to do Stephen Muddle, so we'll go on to Stephen. Sorry, next. Okay. Just a nice wee rating sandwich. Is that what you're looking for, Michael? So, <laughs> so I yeah, I, we we touched on it already, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it like a two two point five. I, I thought it was just okay. Like it's it's definitely listenable. Uh, and I, I did enjoy the narrator. I, at the start, I was kind of, I got the sense that I wouldn't like it because I thought he was going to be monotone because the the first two characters kind of are like that, right? But then we got when he got into it a bit more and like Jason said, he's playing about with voices and everything. I, I really warmed to him. So he, yeah, I liked the narrator. The, the book was just okay. I think definitely, like I said, listenable, but it was leaning towards more boring for me to give it higher i think yeah uh yeah no worries uh jonathan um yeah um really enjoyed this book a lot more than i thought i was gonna um narrator was grand's i think we always say so unless it's like stephen fryer or somebody it's he did a good job wasn't anything absolutely amazing but wasn't terrible um but yeah like i, I don't i thought he yeah did a grand job uh nothing really much else to say about him um so I think, Michael, at the start, you did already guess what I was going to give this, and I'll stick with it. So I'll give this a four out of five. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, this was my recommendation. I, I recommended one of my favorites, so I'm just going to come out right out and, and say it's one of my five star books. Um, I think it is. I think it is a masterpiece. I think it is. It's my favorite ghost story. I think it's one of the best ghost stories ever written. I've read a lot of ghost stories. I think it gets everything right, but I think that. The best thing about this book is the characters. I think Danny, Wendy, and Jack are so richly written. 
I think that is Stephen King's superpower. He is just his characterization is so good. It's so strong. It's like he's to characterization. He's he is to characterization what like somebody like Tarantino is the dialogue in my opinion. He sometimes people can have the issue where he goes a bit too far. He goes a bit too too in depth and it annoys some people the way Tarantino's dialogue does that to some people. But if it's your jam, you absolutely love it. And this is a hundred percent my jam. I think his characters are so three dimensional. There's just they feel so real. And his his faces on horror is always to get you to care about the characters first and foremost. And I definitely care about these characters. So that is why I'm giving it a five stars out of five. Maybe maybe that's where he failed for me because I don't except for Halloween. <laughs> Did y'all like Danny? No, I didn't Wendy. like. I didn't. I didn't like Danny. Definitely didn't like Wendy. I thought like if like I she should have like got Wendy. out of there when he broke the wind arm. <laughs> I would. If it was me, I would have been away. Right. I'm gonna. I have a list here. Ten differences between the uh, between the book and the movie, courtesy of Watch Mojo, the YouTube channel. Went for it just to remind myself of what every all the differences. I'm gonna just list them one after another. Then we can talk about. Give me your general thoughts about the changes in the movies, just in a wee summary. So, uh, the diff- one difference here is the rook mallet instead of the axe. Another difference was in the in the movie it's a hedge maze instead of the hedge animals. In the in the movie, the room that is most haunted is room two three seven instead of room two seventeen. And the reason is because the real hotel that this was filmed on the Timberlane Lodge, they didn't want. There was no room two three seven in that hotel, and they didn't want any kind of. They don't want anything associated with their room two one seven, where people wouldn't want to stay in it or anything. Aren't hotels supposed to be like really superstitious? So like, isn't there like supposed to be like no like floor thirteen on like hotels and stuff? Yeah. Um, another difference. Uh, this was mentioned during the show, but there's the "Here's Johnny" line that is not and they're uh come play with us danny that the twins say as an on here some of the really some of the really iconic things from the movie aren't aren't actually on the book uh like the all work and no play makes jack a dull boy as well that that, that big you know written on all, all those pages tony is a lot more involved in the book and we learned that he's danny from the future or we established that maybe it does him on the, on the cinema. No, I, I checked that it, it, does say, it does literally does say that he's, he, he uh, tells him. It's, himself, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a complete, yeah, it's a complete mystery in the movie. Uh, movie Wendy, she's very, very passive. She feels very not the character that she is in the book. The book Wendy feels like this stronger force, this protective mother. She, um, and, and I thought, thought Danny was a lot was I don't think his characterization was great in the book. He, I mean the movie Ehler, he it was mostly just shots of his face looking scared at his vision and Yeah. Well I I would say I liked him in the movie. Did the why I did like him. Really? Yeah. I heard that it the the actor didn't know he was in a horror movie, so like he only shot his scenes. Yeah, so. they showed him a they showed him a different cut of the movie. The uh also Jack I think Jack is a much better, more layered character within the book. Uh, we learn more about his past, his his abusive father, his his struggle against himself that he is fighting these demons. He's not just he's not succumbed to them. Uh, Stephen King takes massive issue with this that he says. I think uh, the quote is, "Jack is crazy as a shit house bat" or something like that in the beginning of the movie where 
you know, he you get the sense that he's actually struggling and wrestling against that in the book, whereas he's just kind of already a bit unhinged in the movie from the start. Halloran doesn't die in the yeah. Halloran doesn't die in the book. He dies immediately upon entering the Overlook. Uh, when he when he goes to rescue them, he gets axed, and and the ending, as Jonathan has touched on this, the hotel blows up in the book. It's it's this kind of triumphant thing where the Overlook is kind of defeated, and the film Jack chases them through the hedge maze. Danny goes over his own tracks to kind of get Jack lost, and Jack just freezes in the movie he's found dead frozen so i just wanted to run down that quick give me give me a quick summary guys of what you thought about the the difference between the movie and the book how you felt about the movie and then i will go on my rant i didn't watch the movie i forgot in fact i didn't forget i just didn't have time <laughs> uh, was was it required view, was it required view? No, no, i wanted to I though I, I did want to but i just didn't it's a big club i have strong strong opinions about this um First of all, the high, uh, high level summary: <laughs> the movie was shit. <laughs> like, compare like I I know this movie is like supposed to be so iconic and stuff like that, and there is obviously very famous scenes out of it. And see the scene at the end where he's frozen, like that. There is like a meme I've seen all the time, and I did not know that was like, like him. Like, it's that scene's actually quite funny. Um, but yeah, just the, the differences, like especially like when I, I watched the movie when I was only about a third of the way through the book and like thought the movie was I was like I oh was I wasn't as good as everybody says, kinda of, I was just kinda of very middle of the table about it. But now that I've read the whole book, I'm actually like a movie did not do a good job of representing how good this book is. Like it's actually it's, it's annoyed me like <laughs> um I think the, the dick the dick hollering <laughs> part, uh just getting killed straight away stupid um <laughs> i think the yeah like the whole the ending is so satisfying in the book because of this whole blowing up and they just completely removed that they just and then had this like weird thing which again confused me to this whole time warp thing that uh by putting jack into the picture frame at the end of the movie so like it's i think whenever we read something online about that was that people were saying that it's supposed to be like jack getting kind of he's part of the hotel now because he's died there essentially um so like th- the next people that come along now jack's going to be one of the ghosts yeah the whole the whole maze thing was a bit stupid like i thought it was very not it was dissatisfying like how jack just he gets lost in the maze and fr- in the maze and freezes to death like it just it just is not satisfying at all yeah i mean oh my mouth's getting sore here so let someone else talk about it so but, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did not like the movie at all I dug the passion. Yeah. Um, Time for my rant. Uh, I will say I like the movie. Um, I don't know if you want to be promoting drugs in this channel, but I had smoked a bit of grass beforehand. Um, (laughs) So I I did. I quite enjoyed the film. Really got into it. First time I watched the Kubrick film. Loved some of the shots. Yeah, I've never watched a Stanley Kubrick film. Um, so like all those shots like following uh oh my god I forgot his name Danny like on the tricycle like that yeah. was just like brilliant camera work I really liked it yeah um, the tracking shot through the hallways it kind of yeah yeah and like again it's that tension I was like I was nervous I was like what's it going to come across this corner you know I thought it actually worked quite well as a horror film uh, what I would say it is the most 
bare bones adaptation of The Shining. It is, yeah. I would argue, probably not even an adaptation of The Shining. It's just taking the location <laughs> and the characters' names and yeah. the, the tiniest bit of story. Um, I don't think it's a good adaptation. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a good adaptation of The Shining. Um, but no, I did. I would, I would happily watch the film again. Don't get me wrong. But I was going in and expecting something else. And like I'd watched it after finishing the book. I just watched it the weekend there. And yeah, it was whilst I had a really good time, it was not not the shining. Yeah. Do you I know what um, I don't like about the movie as well? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, come back on. <laughs> <laughs> see see the whole the way the, the wee boy or Danny doing the whole finger thing when he's representing Tony. Like what the hell is that about? <laughs> oh jeez. Like me me and me and my housemate me and my housemate lie do that to each other. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, we want to play a game of FIFA. Like Dan, Dan will come on and be like, let's play FIFA. Like, <laughs> but I got just, like, I was like, why have they done that? Like, sure, surely if they want to do Tony, just do, I know it was the 80s and stuff and they might not have had good technology to do it, but like, just do some like voiceover, like, like booming voice or like something that like looks like it's some voice in his head or something like <laughs> i don't know what this whole finger thing's about do the thing they, they did with it you know you get ha- like mirror the, the image of him so he's on the other side and then like i'm saying you know you know what i mean i yeah i have uh i have held both of your opinions the first time i watched this movie after i read the shining when i was i think i was 19 and i loved it Watched the movie, and then I was siding with Jonathan at that stage. Thought the movie was shit, as you said, Jonathan. Uh, and uh, kind of, we should be aware that Kubrick fans are extremely rabid. They are very passionate. They probably could get us some hate mail, but that was my feelings on the film. Years later, revisited the book, The Shining. Still loved it. Revisited the movie, and I thought... This is, as Jason said, it's almost a different movie, and I kind of appreciated it more for what it was, rather than being angry at it not being a faithful adaption to The Shining. The characters, the character Wendy is atrocious in the movie. She, like I think Stephen King called her the most misogynistic character ever put to cinema, and I think that's a bit of hyperbole, but not completely wrong that she is extremely passive extremely submissive, does not challenge Jack ever the way she does in the book. She's just this empty shell in the movie. She's just there to be terrified and to scream. See, see, honestly, right, I, I haven't seen the film, but see, m- most of the things you're saying is my image of Wendy from the book. Yes, she did challenge him more, but I still feel like she was more of a passive entity. Well, I, I agree more with Jason. Jason's idea was to that, that she is a realistic depiction of somebody who is wrestling with with abuse, mm. with like this abusive relation. She's more of a realistic depiction than the Wendy and the and the movie who is just this shell, just this reactionary thing. And I felt similar feelings to Danny. I felt like he was just this vessel to tell a story. He wasn't actually a character. And I felt like that away, uh, sort of about Jack too. Uh, Stephen King said, I've got the quote here, um, he says, I feel the same way. 
So he said, I think The Shining is a beautiful film and it looks terrific. And as I've said before, it's it's a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside. In that sense, when I when it opened, a lot of the reviews weren't very favorable. And I was one of those reviewers. I kept my mouth shut at the time, but I didn't care much for it. I feel the same way because of the character Jack Torrance has no arc in the movie. Absolutely no arc at all, he added. When he first, when we first see Jack Nicholson, he's in Mr. Almond, the manager of the hotel. And you just know he's then he's as crazy as a shithouse rat. All he does is get crazier. In the book, he's a guy who's struggling with his sanity and finally loses it. To me, that's a tragedy. In the movie, there's no tragedy because there's no real change. And a lot of Stanley Kubrick's fans take exception to that quote, say Stephen King's better because the movie became so massive and such a phenomenon. I just think Stephen King is completely right in what he's saying. It, he's it's just spot like, on, yeah. Yeah. And what I've come to now is I do appreciate things that the film does. It is visually amazing. This The stuff with the elevator, every, the blood, that is, those are phenomenal bits of cinema. That's what Kubrick was great at. He was a great visual storyteller. And I think he, he went the way of ambiguity and, and atmosphere. And he sacrificed the warmth of the story that the characters brought to it. So he he made this great work of art. And and it's it's kind of encapsulated by the ending where Jack freezes. He wanted this cold piece of horror cinema that left you feeling just empty. And I think he, he did he did do a good job. He made good atmospheric horror. But Stephen King's is like this horror with warmth and hope. And I remember hearing on a podcast before this woman who struggled with alcoholism. And she was so angry at the movie because she had overcome alcoholism and she she loved she loved the book because it's this depiction of a man who he's wrestling monsters, he he has been a monster in the past, and what the shine is, it's a story about possible redemption from being the worst kind of person and how you can slip back into that and still still have, you know, moments of humanity within that. And and I just feel that's so absent from the movie. Yeah, like Jack Torrance in the film is just, it's just not a nice person either. Like he's just, he's already so dismissive of Wendy and Jack, like from the get go. Um, yeah. Like, there is just no no redemption. I know Stephen would probably argue about the redemption arc. but Yeah, uh, to be honest, the things you're saying, I think the opposite. <laughs> well, actually, sorry, not the opposite. I think the same about the book. Well, I would, I would argue that. I'm not saying it's it's a complete redemption. Like I'm definitely not saying that we think of Jack as a good person by the end of the book. No. I'm just saying that there was some redemption. Like I'm saying yeah. that he has he tried to do some good. He did some good. He maybe saved his family. You know. Yeah. Doesn't make up for what he's done, but no. Um, no there and was and something I, else. And I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the opinion that you think that. I'm just saying. Like I just don't see it. Like I mean. I don't know. I see. It's it's actually kind of interesting because all the things you're saying, Michael, about the book, like about Danny and all, and he's just like a a vessel for the plot. That's those are all the points that I have about the book, <laughs> which is really interesting. But I don't know why why it's, you know we differ so much. No, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel that way about the book at all. I think the book is. They're complex characters, and and Jack is by no means, as Jason says, he's by no means a good person. He's he's just somebody who who has succumbed to these mental demons during his lifetime, and now that he's gone to a place where, when he's finally starting to to become somewhat human, the 
these demons are given this physical manifestation and that's what I, that's what i think the story is yeah yeah I, I agree but i don't i don't see a redemption arc as, as just that's all i'm saying i don't i don't think it's like a redemption arc as in i think it's he, just one act of redemption yeah he's it's somebody it's somebody who just poked their head above water that they were drowning on it's not like it's not somebody who learned to swim somebody who just got this one moment of lucidity to do the to do the right thing for once yeah because he may have tried to do the right thing in the past but it just didn't work out for him but like this time he succeeded in doing the right thing see i i don't know i I, see because my depiction of that scene is like i said before it's not that he you know killed himself right or anything it's that the, you know, it was kind of the true Jack came out then. Remember, that's that's what I said before, right? So your 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 point is kind of assume, assuming that he did do that to himself, whereas I have the opposite yeah. point, right? right? So, so that's the thing. The demons won out then at that stage, is what my yeah, and that Jack was now the embodiment of the demons. Yeah, I'm not. I'm Can not I... saying I'm right or you're wrong or whatever. I'm just. I just don't agree. Can I bring bring up a, another point about the movie? Um, now, this is actually <laughs> it's a question. This is going to be our longest it's, episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's actually a good thing. It's just one wee small thing. Um, I did like the the part the the, the all work and no play mixed check at all boy. I felt like I was the fact that, that like, the whole way. Uh, so like. Like the the fact that he like I think he gets on I don't know how many times he gets on the way there but like he needs like this like see when he's on working she needs to be like away like freaking leave him alone he he's he's up here to work and write this book and then when she goes and reads the book and it just is lines and lines of uh all work and no play mix check and all it just like really captures the insanity and I thought that that was a good part of the movie I real I that was I amazing that. yeah yeah I really like that like. That part. A lot of the iconic film things in the movie were good, like the Here's Johnny yeah, Light and the All Here's Working. Johnny. They were good, like they were good changes. Um, now, I don't understand why that's what he was writing. Is there is that a reference to something? Or, like, why was he writing that? Is that just this is this is the thing that you reference now when you say that? But it's actually like, Google where, Machine. Why, where, where'd that even come from? Like, yeah. Does it, does it mean anything, or is it just, just a random line that he just. Stanley Kubrick I just assu- I just assumed it was yeah it was just something he kind of came up with. Apparently it's just a proverb: all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And then he just used it for the film. Yeah, no, it's uh, I don't. I enjoyed that part. First right. appeared in James Howell's Proverbs, sixteen fifty nine. There you go. There you go. Right, we got we got a we got a little bit heated during that, but I think that is great. Like that, I think that is. I don't know if it was heated. Like we just we just don't agree. Do you, now you're getting heated about the fact that it was. Shut heated, up, Michael. Sake. <laughs> 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 it's calm, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it was heated. Like I'm just just. I think it was heated, Stephen. Trying to get my point across. Just because just you love Stephen. At the very least, it like, was lukewarm. All right. All right, it was lukewarm. We got a bit lukewarm there, and I loved it. Right, Trevia. Let's move. Yeah, I've, let's got, move on. I've got some. I've got some. Um, let me let me ask this before we get on, Trevia. So I, I read something about um, Stephen King's books where they're all related. Is that a thing? He does. He does tie things together in his Dark Tower series. Yeah, so that series that I've read some of. He interesting brings a lot of other books into that. He does a big shared universe. 
No, I, I haven't actually got to the part in the Dark Tower where he connects things together. He apparently makes himself a character in the books as well. Yeah, I read about that. <laughs> um, just a whole extra that, level of meta. But That character you mentioned from the stands, whose name I can't remember, I think shows up in the third book. Okay. Trivia. So, The Shining, this was this book was inspired. Stephen Johnny, King had set the... Do I have something else to say about the movie? Or, uh... <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Uh, this book was inspired by Stephen King staying a night at the Stanley Hotel, which is actually a famous haunted hotel in Colorado. Uh, Stephen King, he stayed the night with his wife, wife Tabitha. They stayed in room 217 in the Stanley Hotel. And Stephen King had a, a nightmare about his son going through the corridors of the, of the hotel, which was a big inspiration for the setting of The Shining, obviously. Um, also another another big inspiration of The Shining was Stephen King's own life. He was an alcoholic at the point of of writing The Shining. He said that he used to drink a case of beer a night. Uh, he said that he was worried about what kind of follower he was going to be. So this was kind of his way of you know psychoanalyzing himself and experiencing all his worst fears. He didn't even realize that he was writing about himself. He says he he didn't realize it was self-autobiographical until years later and then he was like oh this this was about me but i didn't realize it at the time so oh, i find on. that immensely immensely that's, interesting that's how that. fucked up he was at that come time, on time yeah how <laughs> many sixers he was having a night yeah <laughs> well i mean sort of unrelated but does he not like completely forget like writing could you or something <laughs> yeah he, he has no memory that, of writing <laughs> I think the I think the Shining was before his cocaine era. He might have been taking cocaine, but I think he got really into cocaine during yeah, could you and stuff like that. It's a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. <laughs> you don't want any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Turned all your bad feelings into good feelings. It's a nightmare. Anybody got anybody got any additional trivia, or shall I move on? Uh, I think I've seen something that Stephen King had actually written the script for the Kubrick movie, but Kubrick turned it down so he could write his own with a, a different writer. Um, yeah, there was a there was a nineteen ninety seven money series which was a, apparently a lot more faithful adaption to yeah, The Shining. I've, I have I've never heard, actually seen it. I've heard about that. I've heard people say it's actually good, but Danny is terrible. Oh, really? Yeah, and like the. Special effects are just you know, low budget. So I've seen clips, and it looks okay from what I've seen, but I don't see anything, any special effects. So that may be why. Yeah, uh, but no, I think I think the ones you sort of said already, but like two thirty-seven and two seventeen. Right. Uh, what else are we consuming? Um, anybody want to go first? I've been watching. <laughs> Been watching my way, working my way through the One Piece live action on Netflix. How is it? I'm on episode six now. It's quite good. Enjoy it. See, um, it's yeah. One Piece is always one of those things that I wanted to, to get into, but it just looks so silly, and the, the the live action looks even more silly because it's like he's got stretchy body parts or something. But how yeah. you, it just looks dumb or something. I don't know. It's a bit dumb, but it's actually really good. I have yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, there must be a reason why the the anime is up like thousand plus episodes at this stage. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it, it's a weird one to do a live action of. I thought, you know, I, I did. Think it, I, 
Cause hasn't you see, been that bad. It has been. Well, that's good. Like, I think it's yeah. worked well. Maybe I'll give it a watch then. Yeah. That's good. And I've been watching Ahsoka, which I think I was speaking to you about, Stephen. Yeah. I'm saying I wasn't too sure on it, but I'd like definitely after like the first two episodes or so, it really picks up. Yeah, I saw a few clips. Looks, it looks good. Yeah, really enjoyed it. The last couple of episodes have been really good. Not Andor level, don't get me wrong, but still good. And yeah, just uh, playing a bit of Baldur's Gate 3 when I had nice. time. I haven't played as many as much as last <laughs> week, but I was heavy getting into it the week before, putting a lot of time into it. Where, where are you at? Um, I think I've got about 17, 18 hours into it. I'm still in Act 1. I mm. um, had, like, went on a boat and, like, sailed to this place. Um, then I sort of travelled back to the Druids because uh, I think I sort of forgot to go back to Helsinki. <laughs> yeah. So I've had that whole sort of thing. Um, so I've just sort of worked my way through the map a bit. I just killed a hag. So interesting, like yes, yeah, it's, it's such a good game. Like you've done stuff that I haven't even, I haven't done. Like, <laughs> I, well, there's that much to do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I was a hag in that first first map or whatever. Like you know, yeah, brilliant game. Mm. <laughs> uh, Stephen, do you want to go next? Yeah, playing playing a bit of Baldur's Gate. Not not in a while, lot though. I've been kind of dumping into a few other things. Um, uh, TV-wise, uh, not a while lot. I've actually been looking for something to watch, so maybe I'll give the One Piece live action a, uh, a watch. Kind of dipping back into the Dragon Ball. I think I talked about that on a couple of episodes ago. Um, about halfway through now. I uh, st- started watching Beyblade after the conversation we had the other day, <laughs> and it is terrible. <laughs> the, oh, really? the, di- the dialogue is so bad, man. It's like they <laughs> they say things and it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> like, at all. No, no, that makes me want to watch it more. It's actually kind of funny, like the things they come out with. It's Beyblade. Yeah, it's actually it's actually kind of funny, like so something the things they come out with. It's, it just it makes me burst out laughing, but it's not it's not funny. <laughs> like it's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I was uh, at the pub with my fiance and her friend from work. And like they were chatting, I was like chatting to these lads uh, about Beyblade, and then I was like sort of telling them what I was talking about, and then I was like, I really need to hear the Beyblade song tonight. <laughs> I just sort of sang it to myself for most of the evening. Do you remember if you if you can't remember, it's Wonderwall, but before <laughs> he says maybe, you change that with Beyblade, and it's said Beyblade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty bad. Uh, I don't think I'm going to keep going with it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice trip down memory lane. Uh, and then the big one for me, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm learning. I'm starting to learn Japanese on uh, Geolingo. That's been pretty fun. Um, it's really interesting, just like because um, been watching some stuff like Dragon Ball and trying to put on this the, the um, you know subtitles and try and work not the subtitles but the the actual, like, the original dub to try and figure out, like, words and stuff. It's, it's quite interesting. Because you've seen Dragon Ball enough as well, you sort of know what they're saying already. Oh, it's, it's completely different. place to start. It's completely, completely different. Nah. But yeah, that's, that's just one example. Like, other stuff, like, you know, I've been looking up, like, random books and stuff in, in Japanese to try and read a bit. 
I don't get very far, nice. like, because there's like three writing systems and it's really complicated, but it's good. So maybe, maybe on future episodes I'll give a wee update how I'm getting on. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Uh, Jonathan, what are you consuming? Um, so still working, watching, rewatching Breaking Bad. Um, on the last episode of the first season, so um, absolutely loving it. Oh, it's just such a good show. Um, recently started watching The Sopranos with Kira. Um, so obviously one of the best shows of all time, according to NDV. So. I work my way through that, and there's a lot to watch. Um, but yeah, I think I'm on episode three, and it's quite good so far. TV show wise, uh, or well, it has TV shows, but uh, <laughs> old TV show. Um, me and housemates started rewatching Drake and Josh, if you can remember <laughs> from back in the day. Wow. Um, <laughs> we just seen it on somewhere, and we're just like, let's let's watch this. Huh? Um, I'm literally, it's funny, like. There's things people tell me, like, in work or whatever, and I literally forget them instantly, like, what they've just said, but I can remember most of the lines, they, most of the episodes of Drake and Josh, like, freaking nearly 20 years after I've watched them. Like, it's, how is that stuff <laughs> still living in my brain, rent free like it yeah. is? It's, it's weird. But, um, yeah, why are you watching that? It's absolutely gacky, like, and stuff like that but it's it's just one of them you know put it on in the evenings and you can just throw it on in the background kind of thing um gaming wise i have kind of got into playing like old retro or not even ret. i would say retro i would say like older games older pc games that i used to play years ago um through there's like websites the one i use is like an abandoned called on abandoned old abandoned wire or something like that but it's abandoned wire is basically games that aren't sold anymore yeah. So the actual developers or studios don't actually make money from them anymore. So it's like a legal grey area that people are like to basically just release the source files or the like the actual uh, files uh, for you to download. And then if like the company that originally developed it uh, wants doesn't want that, they they can like request to have it taken off. Um, but basically, I've been playing. I was playing. I started with like the original Sums game. And now I've been playing the old Lord of the Rings games. Um, ah, the class. So there's, oh, yeah. So uh, they're like, uh, like, still hold up to this day. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been playing playing a bit of those. Um, so yeah, that's that's more or less that's it. Can I really? I've been uh, listening to some podcasts as well. Um, I've kind of got back into the Always Sunny one. Um, which you kind of like you watch the videos more. I've been watching Always Sunny like the episode and then watching the podcast that. Is about that episode. Oh, um, so you're watching that's along? That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was watching the podcast, and I was like, I might actually just start watching the show and catch up. Um, so that's what I've done now, and I'm up there where I am. And uh, it's kind of like you watch the episode before you listen to the episode. But to be fair, in that podcast, they don't really even talk too much about the episode. They're kind of <laughs> go off and off about other stuff. But it's, they, it's they, they start to, and then they kind of go off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's more. It's more like mad life stories and stuff like that. They usually they talk less about the episode and more about like kind of like the back, the background, like the following of it and R- stuff right like that. And and it, yeah. yeah, like it's kind of like usually. We, do you know like where we where we uh, got this prop from or something like that? It's it's like these interesting backstories. That's uh, or yeah, you'll just have like just... you know Glenn and Rob just arguing about stuff. Like uh, it's it's kind of like they always say on the podcast is like. 
I can't believe people come up to us and be like, like think that we are our characters. And I'm like, to be honest, he's kind of our like he's, he's Glenn. Kind of anyway, like Glenn for sure definitely goes on. We absolutely, hundred percent. Like, yeah. like he, he yeah. can tell he's like he's got this like niggly kind of like he hates like he, he gets angry about like stupid yeah. things. Like I think they always talk about the chewing. It's like and he's like I don't I don't hate the sound of the tune it's the ignorance. <laughs> it's yeah. just like that's the son Dennis that's the son Dennis would say. Yeah, some some of the things but, he comes uh, out with like yeah. one of the latest episodes they, they, there's a full scale argument about who's like the top ten singers or something, and I think Rob says like, um, what is he, he says fucking what do you call him um, Axel Rose, and Glenn just goes off on him <laughs> for like half an hour. Or <laughs> Uh, absolutely love Sonic yeah uh, so I have been watching Ted Lasso Uh, watched the first season and I'm nearly finished the second season I was saying to Joff I I needed something happy after all the horror and you know just very heavy media I've been consuming so I just needed something light and Ted Lasso definitely scratches that itch it gets a bit too cheesy for me on the second season. There's a Christmas episode where like Santa's sleigh passes by, and I remember Greta passed my computer and saw saw me watching that, and she's like, "Is is this still your football show?" And, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and football takes a big backseat for like most of the season. There's like a run of four episodes where only one of them has any reference to the matches. So it's like almost not a football show at times. Well, but... Isn't that the joke though? That he's like not a he's like doesn't have a football background. He's like an American football yeah. or something. Yeah, he but really... on the that's the joke. On the first, <laughs> yeah, but on the first season, you see uh, it's a lot more about his struggle with that and his acclimatizing to the cul- culture and stuff. And it kind of it just it kind of abandons the notion of football altogether for a lot of episodes in the second season. And I just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of at stages. I'm like, but how's the team doing? And obviously, I'm, I'm coming that, <laughs> at that from as a football fan. So, so, so it's like, but but also, how how are how are they doing in the league? Yeah, they... <laughs> you've actually just reminded yeah. me something there. Like, I have a rewatch. Welcome to Wrexham, and that's kind of oh, yeah. in some ways, it's kind of similar to what you're saying. Where like, there's episodes where they don't talk about the football. <laughs> yeah, or they it's like yeah. mentioned very like offhand. Or, you know, it's in the background, yeah. kind of thing. It sounds similar, yeah. Um, listening to a lot of podcasts recently. Uh, I'm listening to one called If Books Could Kill. It's basically dismantling a lot of nonfiction bestsellers that are using, like, pseudoscience and incorrectly referencing studies and stuff. It's really funny. It's a really good podcast. If you enjoy listening to people shit on books, they recommend it. It's a good listen. Uh, listening to one called Heavyweight. It's an... I went on the Reddit looking for podcast recommendations and like Reddit absolutely loves this podcast. Listened to about 10 episodes and I have to say it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I've Reddit loves hate. Been... <laughs> I've been brought to tears several times listening to this podcast and I just, I, I'm gonna gonna finish it. It's just, it's another one that is making me feel good about humanity. So, which, which is what I need. What's it about? Um, so it's it's like heavy issues. It's like kind of people's issues. It's this guy who he he's kind of bringing people together who have issues. The second episode, it's like a guy's like, oh yeah, well, um, I lent these albums, I loaned these albums to my friend, and then he became like 
super super successful uh, off these albums and stuff and i just want the albums back and then it's like it reveals then that his friend is moby <laughs> and it's like i'm dealing oh, right. and it's yeah and it's like has has struggled to deal with like moby's success measured against his own life and all and it's kind of and then they go and meet moby and like kind of bring this stuff up and moby like tells him you know at the height of my success i was i was very suicidal and stuff and kind of trying to convince him you know this stuff doesn't bring happiness yeah and then they go then they go meet rupaul randomly <laughs> and then but uh i just want uh, my albums back give me back my albums. yeah it's a, and he actually does now i won't spoil it for you uh if you want to listen to it it's a real it's a great great podcast i highly recommend it um i've listened to another one too called this is actually happening it's about like these life-changing events that happen in people's lives one i listened to was a very controversial episode about a man who witnessed his wife being mauled by a bear and he didn't intervene or anything because it was a grizzly bear and he obviously would have died so like a lot of people were very very angry at this episode because he kind of dispassionately describes it too it was 15 years ago so i'm not really sure how i feel about it but i when i saw people talking about it so much i just had to listen to it it is a very harrowing podcast i need to listen to an episode of heavyweight and then an episode of that just to feel good and then feel like shit again <laughs> yeah i'm not, I'm not gonna listen to that <laughs> but but yeah that's that's about that's about it for me uh guys so, just piggyback on to uh something jonathan said earlier and also yeah go, relation go to you. um so yeah just about another hbo show i well i also just love the sopranos great show yeah, but um i've actually started watching the wire as well as of like last oh, week nice started nice. the first season i'm only like five episodes in but like seeing the hype really enjoying it just something about that show is just just had to has yeah. the right notes, you know. I remember me and Sean tried to watch that show years ago. It might have still been on TV at the time, and I just couldn't get into it. But I think I might have been too young, you know, or something. Yeah, it's it's a show you can't really look away from. You need to pay a lot and of that, attention that to too, it. That too, yeah. I don't. I think some of the things were going over my head, and also from what I remember, and also I wasn't paying enough attention. So maybe I give it yeah, a Yeah, you go. need to you need to pay attention to that show. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But there's just something about it that really clicks with me. Like it's really, yeah. it's really good. Great show. Um, yeah. Something else, actually, I, I forgot to completely mention is that over the last sort of couple of days since I finished um, the Shining and didn't want to start another book, I have actually worked my way through all the available Dark Tales and Soulbinder um, oh. episodes. Oh, nice. Yeah, enjoyed them. Nice. I'll not uh, not give you all my thoughts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk. I'll talk about stuff on plugs. Um, if uh, if you want to go on to that next, has anybody got anything to say on what they're consuming? No. So, uh, so somebody learn wa- Japanese so I can talk to them. <laughs> Any anything anybody wants to plug here? Give us a wee bit of Japanese, dude. Uh, off, off the top of my head, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe maybe when we're not recording <laughs> <laughs> just the usual uh youtube channel stuff for me i haven't really released anything recently i'm kind of working on stuff in the background at the moment um for future stuff so hopefully more to talk about in the future um michael i'll let you do the the podcast plug um but yeah that's that's all i wanted to say yeah, uh, Jonathan and I are, are started uh, started doing a movie one we've been talking about for a while called Real Report, 
we just have the intro episode out right now it's very very short just tells you what the show's about we're basically doing the oscar best picture nominees in reverse chronological order just to kind of go through like the history of movies and stuff um we we've recorded our first episode doing all quiet on the western front uh it's being edited at the moment and it will be out on tuesday um i've i released a couple more stories uh I released one called Fall and Love or Die there, and it's very, very loosely called a horror story. It's not really a horror story at all. It's kind of like a weird Twilight zone story, but um, that's, writing that story nearly broke me because I I, I was actually not going to publish it. I went through so many changes, and the other, the other two sh- short stories came out so fully formed, and that one had to be beaten with a blunt object. <laughs> it was very frustrating, but I'm kind of happy with how it came out. Um, but yeah, the point of doing this podcast is that podcast is to get better at stories, to maybe get passable at narrating someday, um, just so I don't get in the way of the story. So it's kind of a practice thing for me as well. So it, I was like, no, Michael, you have to you have to release it because you said you were gonna. So just follow through with it, even if it's bad. One day you can delete it off the stream, whatever. Um, and then I, I, I just want to say, like, Halloween is a massive, massive deal in the city we're from, the city of Derry, which is this the same name that, you know, the people in it live in. That's the fictional, that fictional town is named after our, our town, which is also obsessed with Halloween. Um, I thought that was a real place, is it not? I think it was Derry, no. I mean. is it not? Well, in the book, anyway, there's a, li- <laughs> there's a throwaway oh, paragraph of Stephen yeah, there's a throwaway paragraph of saying named after the the town in Ireland. So yes, and a lot of people just don't seem to know that that the town in it is named after Ardairy. There's but, a lot yeah, of clowns. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're uh, our town is extremely obsessed with Halloween. It's the biggest holiday of the year. So I'm like, I, I have to do like, I'm gonna do three Halloween episodes. So the next one I'm working on is called Something Nice to Eat like the trick-or-treat lyric uh the, the one after that oh no sorry the next one is called doorways then then something nice to eat and then i'm doing one i don't have a title for yet because it's going to be like vignettes and i'm hoping that a title comes to me when i write them the uh the doorway one that's that's not the one you were telling me about is it oh no that's uh it's like a child abduction story <laughs> well that could have been oh. what was happening michael we don't know yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going uh, to do that one? Martini, Michael. My martini was horrible. I do not recommend <laughs> martinis in any any shape or fashion. You sure you made it right? Yes, I made it like I think it was a. Well, I don't have gin, so I made a vodka martini. Hmm. Uh, Did you shake it or start? I shook. I shook it because uh, we didn't have any stir. So that's what James would have done. Yeah, but no, it was horrible. I don't recommend them. <laughs> an apple teeny though. That's what that's what you really want. <laughs> yeah, I would have would have loved an apple teeny. I'll take that any day. <laughs> so, when unless you, anybody has any, when are you writing oh, that story? The, you know, the one with the the other doorway one. I'm actually. I said I was going to work on vignettes. Those ones should be. I I would say 
if I'm releasing a new story every two weeks, those one will actually come out on the 29th of October. Mm. And I'm thinking there is going to be a very short vignette in that called Red Door. Yeah, because you, you reminded me about that night and I, I that blew my mind. <laughs> I, I, I must have blocked that out completely. Yeah. What was this night Michael, in our childhood? No. <laughs> when are you doing... When are you doing a horror story on the sharks that live under the where the waves come out of and listen to Calvin? I'm I'm not quite prepared to handle that subject matter. <laughs> just just cuts too deep. Yeah. What about the <laughs> sharks horror dead, story man. of the kitten that Johnny ran away from? I think Jonathan asked me, "Am I ever going to like write any fantasy again?" And I think like. It's because I, I spent like three years like rewriting Soulbonder where it's just I don't want to not release anything for three years again. I'm not kind of ready to do that. I like the fact that I can just release something every couple of weeks and then forget about it. Like I, I, li- I kind of like that right now. I do. I probably will write like a fantasy story again one day, but I'm kind of not mentally ready to sit with something for a couple of years. Yeah, that's fair. So that's kind of why I've been doing the horror shorts. I've enjoyed them. But uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so if everybody's done with plugs, we are going to do next pick. This is normally where I would turn it on to Stephen, but we're going to do something different for next book. So does anybody want to do the theme music? That's right. We're we're finally we're finally doing Harry Potter 2. We're finally doing it. It's it's like we're a band that we've been doing this. We've had our greatest hit. And we've been trying to top it over and over again. And then everybody's just like, just just play just play that again, you know? And then we're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Just play Harry Potter again. We're, we've caved in. We're going to play Harry Potter again. Just every week. <laughs> so we are, we're going to do Harry Potter too. We're probably going to do one Harry Potter book a year. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is our next book. Uh, anybody want to tell, tell everybody who narrates that? can't quite recall uh, Stephen Fry Stephen Fry who's the author again <laughs> Stephen Fry <laughs> can I guess what it's about first go ahead alright it's about this guy Johnny who goes around smashing on doors <laughs> like, here I am and then he ends up in the Chamber of Secrets and then <laughs> whenever he dies somehow Avada Kedavra's uh Dumbledore and Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> so many doors. I was trying to actually. I was going to say, do you ever see one of them? It's like how to trigger like a like a like a fantasy nerd. It's like Dumbledore like Gandalf. Dumbledore. It's like a picture of Dumbledore. And it's like Gandalf, and then it's like all like all these deep, basically different like movies mashed together to like annoy people that they're all like in the same universe. I sound like. Do you remember that one? It's a picture of Ga- uh, Gandalf, and it's like, do you remember when uh, Picard took the ring to uh, the Death Star or something? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's like all these different things. Like, isn't there a joke on that? Isn't there a joke on the office like that too, where like Dwight can't speak, so jo- uh, John Krasinski, like Jim, is like he's telling Andy about this movie. Watch, he's like, it's about these. Uh, it's this guy called Dumbledore, and he had to destroy the One Ring or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> and then you can see Dwight just like losing it. But yeah, we're gonna do Chamber of Secrets next. Um, I I don't know if we should say now, but next next uh, episode's gonna be like the anniversary episode, right? Because uh, yeah, so we're, our, 
a promo episode came out on the third. Uh, when did our first? Let me just double check when our 17th. first special episode came out. Seventeenth, yeah. So it'll probably come out on the around the anniversary. It depends how how fast we are on finishing it, I guess. But yeah, a full year. Yeah, probably all blast we got our quick enough. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Are you excited to do Harry Potter? Always, always excited to do. It's coming up that yeah. point of the year where Stephen's going to redo them all anyway. So. That's it, Johnny. You're right. It's just, it's just a perfect excuse. <laughs> Once Michael told me, I already started the Philosopher's Stone. I'm halfway through. <laughs> Are you actually? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm excited to do it again. And, um, I think I was reading the Harry Potter books just before we started this, but obviously because we were doing books every weekend, I, or like I was reading the books for this. I uh, stopped reading them, so I finished the fourth one, so I'm excited to get back to where I was in like three years' time. Yep. <laughs> It'll only take six, six more years. <laughs> Wonder if we'll be friends by then. I doubt it. No. Well, we've, well, we've done like, what, 20, 20 plus, <laughs> like, so I mean... Uh, tw- 22 years uh, or something. Oh, we had a good run. Six more is too many. <laughs> nah, that's going to be our breaking point. Well, you'll be you'll be nearly forty, by the way. I will be. Do we say enough? Six years Thirty-seven. Yeah. We'll all be near our mid thirties. God, disgusting. Right. On that note, Michael, I'll be dead do you want like to forty more years after that? <laughs> do you want to repeat the the book and the narrator and the author again, just just for anyone that didn't catch it? So uh, the book is called Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling, at, and the uh, narrator is Stephen Fry. Hey Johnny, do you have any more like things to say about the Shannon movie before we <laughs> oh, about the movie? Geez. Jonathan, on our other podcast, that we'll probably do that that movie in like seven years as well. So it'll be the perfect storm uh, of doing the show. Here, <laughs> if if I'm in a hang like you, I might actually enjoy it the second time round. I think it was my. Just comparing it to the book here. Yeah, comparing it to the book as well. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Let's check check out uh, me and Michael's other podcast in like seven years' time for uh, my my continued rant about the Shannon. The Shannon. Since <laughs> uh, we uh, link through for it. Or... <laughs> yeah. From the future. future. Right. Get the Shannon on. Uh, the future link. Uh, get your Shannon on. Okay. Get your Shannon on. <laughs> 35-year-old Johnny send me a link for the shining Sh- Shining back to you. Uh, just me, be, me with my finger being like, here is the shining link. <laughs> here is the shining. <laughs> Jonathan's going to have like dreams now about don't do the shining episode. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is our, this is by far our longest episode. Let's, just keep uh, let's, <laughs> let's sign off here because it's just going on. It's just, it's just I actually on. rushed... I actually rushed these along too in this episode, so this could have been fucking like three hours. Three hours. There's, there's too much rant, Nigel. Do we? Do we rant it? Yeah. Right. Ah. Right. Uh, Ch- chat these next time. See you for the Harry Potter too. Bye. See you later.